What's up, guys? Rick here with your betting and one-and-done preview for this week's Rocket Mortgage Classic. We'll take a peek at the outright numbers, maybe see if we can find some head-to-head matchups, and then consider some options for this week's one-and-done. I always forget to promote this, but if you go to rickrungood.com bets, there are literally thousands of dollars of free bet offers from William Hill, BetMGM, BetRivers, uh, depending on your state, some of them are better than others. So go to rickrungood.com slash bets, see what applies to you, see if you can take advantage of it because they're literally free bets. You don't have to use them for golf. You can use them for anything you'd like, NBA, finals, whatever you can use them for. Uh, additionally, three live chats this week. Let me run through these real quick. 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's your regular regular live chat on Wednesday, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time Wednesday. That's your Jock Market Power Hour. And then tentatively scheduled 4 p.m. Eastern Friday, the Cut Sweat Show. That's right. That is subject to change. Make sure you get the notifications for when that does go live. But for now, bets in one and done. Let's go. Okay, here is the tournament predictor tool on rickrungood.com. This is where the event has been simulated 1,000 times, and then we compare it to the Vegas odds. And uh, I will say Bryson DeChambeau won uh, the most times in my projections. He won 12.5% of the time. His implied odds, if you're getting him about 7.5, 7.75 to 1, um, he is a, actually still a small value, about 1%, because I have him winning 12.5% of the time. That implies him winning 11.4% of the time. It's, I always say this when you get a guy this long. I, you know, I hate it, right? To, to ask a guy to win the golf tournament 11.5% of the time is very difficult. If you're doing this seriously week over week, it's a really hard uh, trigger to pull. And if you don't pull it, you are more often than not correct. However, if you are much more recreational, if you are just trying to um, have a sweat on a Sunday, Bryson DeChambeau is probably the most likely guy to be in the mix. And I do think this is a little bit different than when we saw like Rom's number at Torrey Pines was, I think 10 to one before the week started, which I was still like, Oh man, I'm a little queasy about that. Uh, This feels a little bit different because, uh, Bryson is, is the guy there. There's not three guys. There's not four guys. He's the guy. So it feels a little bit different. I'm, I'm much more likely to wager on Bryson this week than I am in other weeks. I, I think people don't realize uh, how good he is on the putting surfaces when you're going to have to make probably 28, 29, 30 birdies to win this golf tournament. You got to get somebody who can putt well, uh, which leads me to Hideki Matsuyama, who cannot putt well. Now, he still wins 10.1% of my simulations and you know both he and Patrick Reed won 10.1% and you got to remember the simulator kind of loves volatility it kind of loves upside so Hideki's win at the Masters certainly goes a long way the fact that he is consistently gaining more strokes than a lot of other golfers in the field that goes a long way but I just feel again on a course where you're gonna have to roll in a lot of 20 footers a lot of 15 footers for birdie That does not necessarily play into the hands of Hideki Matsuyama. So while both he and Patrick Reed win this about 10.1% of the time, Reed would seemingly be a guy who sets up a little bit better in terms of birdie-making prowess. Now, there's a big gap here after Patrick Reed. And I will say, uh, anecdotally or at least personally feeling, Webb Simpson to me 
feels like a guy I'm going to bet this week. You can get him 18, 19, maybe even at William Hill, you can get him deeper than that. Uh, I have been winning the simulation about 8% of the time. And there's obviously factors that the, um, that the simulator doesn't know about. It doesn't know that, you know, for the last couple of months, Webb Simpson's only played twice and he's been dealing with the neck injury, but now seemingly healthy and ready to roll. There is a case to be made for Webb Simpson. You know, this is a course that does not penalize you off the tee. If you miss and and it's not that Webb is going to miss wildly. It's just that he's not going to gain a bunch of strokes off the tee in most weeks because he's not as long as everybody else. But once once they step off the tee box and if everybody is kind of in the same ish positions off the tee, not losing strokes because of penalties or lost balls or anything like that. Now it turns into a wedge fest or an iron fest, and it turns into a putting contest, and all that stuff lends right into the hands of Webb Simpson. So 18 to 1 is what William Hill has him at. I'll check Circa. They're probably at 19, maybe 20, something like that. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, and I also like him for, for DFS purposes because of how little he's played. He's been flying under the radar. He might be a nice contrarian play. A couple of things to note here. <clears throat> Garrick Higo won my simulation 6.6% of the times. He is, uh, we have three starts on him, right? So that is a small data issue. Could, is, it, is it possible if we ran this a thousand times, he would win 66 of them? Sure. I don't know how likely that is. The fact that he has one win and three starts on the PGA Tour goes a long way. The fact that he's won a lot on the European Tour goes a long way. The simulator loves him for that. I'm not sure that's a true number. So even if you cut it in half, call it 3.3% of the time, he's still better than his 50 to 1 number. So keep that in mind. There's kind of a couple of things at play here. I think his... His simulation outcome is too large, but I also think still his win odds are too short, even if you cut that in half. So I think that that is noteworthy. A couple of other items here. Um, Jason Kokrak, to me, will be very, very popular uh, in DFS circles, and he will likely be a very popular bet. You're going to want to shop this. When, when you get a very popular golfer, a guy who takes a lot of the money early in the week, some books react differently than others. So uh, DraftKings, and, and it all depends on how much money that they have taken in on them, right? Because they're not trying to pre- predict the outcome. They are trying to spread the money out and, and mitigate their potential liability. So if you still look at DraftKings, he is at 30 to 1. If you go over to William Hill, he is at... 28 to 1. And if you go to Circa, which is what I was pulling up on my phone there, he's 30. Okay, so shop that around if you want to get a couple extra points here. And um, for me, Kokrak really does check all the boxes. You know, I... I, I mean, I could show you this a bunch of different ways. I have the last 24 rounds loaded in here into the custom model. Jason Kokrak, third in this field in strokes gained approach in the last 24 rounds. If you sort by strokes gained putting, he is fourth. Those were the two metrics that really popped up. Again, only two years of data at Detroit Golf Club, but the two things that correlated most uh, closely to success were approach and putting. And it kind of makes sense, right? You need to be able to fire darts. You need to be able to give yourself enough birdie looks and you need to be able to make those birdies. Jason Kokrak has done exactly that. He's won twice this year. He's going to take, sports books are going to take a lot of money on him and it's well-deserved. I will likely, I haven't quite decided on this yet because he's going to be popular in in, in fantasy formats. It, It is likely that I just bet Jason Kokrak, maybe do my own little each way, you know, bet him, 
uh, also take half of my stake, put it on a, a top five number, maybe a top 10 number, just in case he doesn't actually win the golf tournament. I can get some of that upside going all the way up. Uh, and I might avoid him in DFS. We'll, we'll see how that, how that pans out. A little bit further down the board here, uh, there is a really strong case to be made for Gary Woodland in a similar ilk of what we talked about with Harris English last week. So I know there was a ton of Harris English tickets. They were all sent to me. Um, unfortunately, I did not bet him to win. I had a top five. Oh, no, I got, him to, I got him on Saturday night, 12 to 1. But I had a top five and top 10 on him, but did not have the full outright number. But I did okay. I got him on Saturday night. Um, the... The case to be made for Harris English last week was in his last couple of starts, we started to see Harris English gain strokes across the board in all four major categories. That was much more reminiscent of how he was in 2020, and the way he was in 2020 was phenomenal. The case for, for Gary Woodland is somewhat similar. Uh, you know, He is starting to gain strokes off the tee again. He is starting to gain strokes on approach again, and he's starting to look much more like the pre-injury version of Gary Woodland. Remember, he went through that hip injury. I think he had a torn labrum. I can't even remember if he had surgery or not I don't think he did which is why I think it kind of extended how long his downtime was because um, <clears throat> he tried to play through it for a while so so Gary Woodland is starting to look much more like the 2019 ish version of himself and at 55 to 1 if he's back at that version that number is wrong so I think there are some similarities there not not as glaringly obvious as the Harris English stuff where he had um, you know, two really good starts in a row, two solid starts in a row that looked exactly like what he had done in 2020, but Gary Woodland seemingly on the right track there. Uh, if you go a little bit further, and I'm not even sure if he's going if he makes this because I'm pulling this data from DraftKings. He might not even be on there yet. I might have to give DraftKings data a refresh. Um, Mito Pereira, I believe is how he pronounces it, is 100 and let me just pull this up real quick here. <clears throat> William Hill hasn't even dropped a number on him. DraftKings has him at 110, I believe, to 1. And Circa, I would have to check. But um, if you can find the number on Mito, he is, if you don't know who he is, he's won three times on the Corn Ferry Tour this season, which gives him a what they call battlefield promotion, which means he can now, he now has PGA tour status because of his three victories on the corn Ferry tour. Two of them, his last two were his last two starts. His last six starts have earned five top tens. He has not finished. He's only finished outside the top 10 once in his last five starts on the corn Ferry tour. This field is weak. Um, he's playing with a ton of confidence. He's playing well. He's got a long number. I don't think he's going to win, but could you consider a top 10, a top 20 number on him? Because that's going to be driven by his outright. Let me see if DraftKings has his top 20. Because he got added to this field late as well. So you have to, um, you really got to shop this around. His top 20 number is four and a half to one, plus 450. His top 10 number is 10 to 1. I mean, you're for, for Mito to finish in the top 10, that's longer than Bryson to win this golf tournament. Consider that. For, for, for Mito to finish inside the top 5, it is longer than Webb Simpson to win this golf tournament. So consider your options here. I think he's a really good long shot. We'll see how he does up here on the PGA Tour, but I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again until these guys graduate. The line has never been more blurred between the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour. And I know you guys like it when I say that. So uh, I'm running out of time to say it. So I have to get it in there. And then, of course, if you're going to be uh, you know, down in the 110, 120-ish range, uh, Cam Davis is there as well. Cam Davis, um, 
He hasn't played as well as I would like, but if I could have, if I could design a perfect golf course for Cam Davis, it would be this one right here. It looks like a driving range. Okay, let's go to head-to-head matchups here and see what we can find. Uh, so again, this is the head-to-head matchup tool on rickrungood.com. I'm going to zoom this out just a hair. There we go. I know zooming in is the new thing. I'm going to try to do it more often so you guys can see better. My bad for the last couple of years. Uh, all right, head-to-head matchups. You can plug in any time frame, any two golfers that you want. The first one that catches my attention, Cameron Tringale seems to be catching a lot of steam this week. And I think it's correct. Um, I'll show you him in a second. But Kisner, it's Kisner versus Tringale. So since the start of 2020, I have Kisner winning this 55% of the time. Since the start of 2021... Yeah, that's where it turns. Tringale wins this pretty significantly, 62% of the time, which means his money line, his true money line, should be about minus 162. He is minus 125 to Kevin Kisner's minus 103. So if you're looking at, um, if here, here's the thing I think with Kisner. The, the two things that drive this even being a matchup, the... Round that he, the round of the day he shot on Sunday last week, which I think he made seven birdies in his last 10 holes, and then the fact that he finished solo third here last year. Those are the two driving factors that put him in a matchup with Cameron Tringale because the rest of Kevin Kisner's recent run has not been good. Cameron Tringale has been kind of awesome. Can, can I say that? I mean, I can pull him up on the Holy Grail here, and, and we can see this um, more in depth, and you can see I was dealing with some Donald Ross stuff. Um, you know, the the strokes gained approach has been solid. The ball striking has been solid. I'm really worried about the strokes gained off the tee. He's lost in five straight. But again, there's not as much of a penalty this week if you're bad with the driver. And he has overcome some of those woes by earning a couple of top 30 finishes in his last three starts. The putter's been good. And I just don't think many people realize how many birdies he makes. I forget when I did this. Um... Man, actually, I think I went to his profile. If you look at his season-long birdie or better number, you'd be shocked at how good it is. <clears throat> it is right here. He's 26th on tour in birdie or better percentage this year, which means he's probably top 10 in this field because the field is so weak. And again, you're going to have to make a lot of birdies. So I think I'm on the Cameron Tringale side of that matchup. Let me see if I can find... Something else that is interesting here. You know, HV3 minus 125 over Doc Redman, minus 103. Varner led the field in strokes gained approach last week. That number feels weird to me. I don't, I don't think I like that one. This is kind of surprising. This is really surprising, actually. Before I even do this, I'm going to open this up to the start of the season. Okay, so basically September 1st, the start of the season. And I'm going to do Joaquin Neiman, who I love, by the way. Big favorite, minus 137 over Jason Kokrak. Yeah, okay. That's about right. I have I have Neiman at minus 128. I, of course, don't have juice in this. So he is minus 137. That's about right. Jason, I, I have Jason Kokrak at plus 128. Again, I don't have the juice. DraftKings has him at plus 105. That's about right. Right. I'm shocked at that, you know, because Kokrak has won twice, but you can see in the chart here how much more consistent Joaquin Neiman has been. You know, here are the spikes for Jason Kokrak. The win here at uh, 
uh, what was it? CJ Cup. The win that jumps him up. Then he has a couple of you know kind of sour weeks. Then plays well here again between the players and the workday. And then he has a couple of sour weeks. Then he pops up again here. And then he pops up. It's just you know it's really interesting to see the spikes when Joaquin Neiman has been consistently headed in the right direction, and that is very valuable in head-to-head matchups. So so this is a no bet. This is a no-bet Joaquin Neiman, Jason Kokrak, seemingly priced correctly. This one also shocking to me. Bryson DeChambeau, who uh, you could argue is the best player on the PGA Tour, against Patrick Reed. Wow, I'm stunned at this. Okay, so DraftKings uh, has Bryson at minus 120, Patrick Reed minus 110. I would expect it to be a lot larger than that. My sim makes Patrick Reed the tiniest of favorites, 50.5%. I don't know what to take from this. I have a couple of takeaways, I suppose. And this is since the start of the season, since the start of the 2020 season. That was in September. I guess my takeaway is... My model's really good, <laughs> right? I mean, like if the it's always it's always a little bit encouraging when a lot of the numbers that you plug in are what the sports books got as well. That's that's actually encouraging. It means the model's right. If 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 Bryson was eighty percent to win this, we'd probably have an issue. It, it maybe also proves that Reed has been much better than I anticipated. You know, Bryson kind of similar has a lot of spikes, but Reed has been just trending in the right direction. What happens if I change this to the start of twenty twenty one? Bryson becomes a tiny favorite. I mean, tiny. What happens if we go more recent? Reed. Reed. I mean, this stays basically within, unless you go really short term, really short term the last you know two months, which I don't like to do. Uh, it stays within one or two percentage points of one another. That is shocking to me. That is shocking. Maybe we should be considering Patrick Reed in that 10 K range on DraftKings because the ownership is going to be completely different. And these guys are about 50, 50 to win a, a four round matchup against one another. I'm stunned. I, I, I cannot remember the last time I was that surprised on the outcome of, of one of my own models. Um, let me throw in one more because we got a couple of no bets here. And I don't know what this is going to show up. Let's do again. Start of the season. Just start there. Pat Perez versus Bryce Garnett. And I know what my brain says here, but we'll see what the model says here. Uh, Pat Perez versus Bryce Garnett. I have Pat Perez winning this 53% of the time. He should be minus 113. He is minus 112. So, I mean, probably a no bet here as well. However, if you really wanted to, um, I can make the case against Bryce Garnett. Bryce Garnett just had the third best putting week of anyone in my database last week. It's true. Uh, here, hold on. Let me, let me get rid of this. So of anybody in the entire database, the best putting week in my database, which goes back to the start of 2015, Kevin Na, when he won Shriners, he gained 14.1 strokes putting, uh, Kiridat Afi Barnrat gains 14.05 at the 2019 Byron Nelson. And then last week, Bryce Garnett gained 13.9 at the Travelers Championship. That is incredibly unlikely to continue again. He lost three strokes on approach. He lost five from T to green, and it was this scorching hot putter that saved him. Now let's see, is Bryce Garnett historically like some type of crazy good putter? I mean, I know that even if he was, that would have been an outlier week for him. Um, but no, he's not. I mean, he's an okay putter. He's a decent putter, good putter. Gains about, no, I mean, he's not even that good. He's about tour average. So for him to gain nearly 14 strokes putting, I mean, this is coming back to earth. 
right? There, there's just no chance. There's no chance. So uh, the numbers are a little bit different because the putting numbers are included there. But if you made me bet one of those, it would be Pat Perez. And let's just look at Pat Perez real quick. Yeah, this is fine. Gain strokes on approach in four of his last five. Gain strokes tee to green, the same four. Yeah, I mean, this is, we have to bet Pat Perez here, right? The, the, this is this is the true battle of regression, putter regression coming here. We'll find out. I think it's Pat Perez over um, over Bryce Garnett. One and done update. So this is the run good one and done. We've been going for a very long time. We've been going since the start of the season. We are running out of events. In fact, we are here. Uh, Rocket Mortgage. So there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine events remaining. Um, and it is Caster Joshua in the lead pretty significantly. He's got about a million and a half dollar lead. Graybo, Nash the Flash, Chappie Chaps, and Jared Hebby has jumped into the top five. I have fallen from 15th to 44th in the last couple weeks. I am in the midst of quite a horrible stretch. Uh, let's see what we can find out for this week. If you've been saving Bryson, congrats, run him out. If, uh, if you still have Patrick Reed, what I just learned to my own surprise is it's about a 50, 50 shot that Reed finishes better than Bryson this week. So maybe you should run out Reed if you're trying to make up ground. Cause I can't imagine he's going to be that popular. I can't imagine Webb Simpson's going to be that popular, uh, for a couple of reasons. He has probably already been used a lot. Uh, in fact, if we go to the run good one and done, this is just kind of, a little, yeah, he's been used a decent a bit. He's been used by about 65% of the owners. Quick little mental math. And I imagine uh, many people are not going to want to play him because he's been, you know, kind of in this uh, unknown phase or they're going to save him for Wyndham. That's the natural spot to use Webb. So I imagine running out Webb would not be the worst of ideas. Uh, if you have Jason Kokrak, it's probably time. You know, he's going to be a big liability for... Uh, sports books. He is going to be very popular in fantasy formats. Uh, I imagine that if you have access to him, you should be rolling him out. Outside of that, Cameron Tringale, I don't mind. Um, I, I mentioned the the um, the birdie or better percentages. The fact that he's played much better than I think a lot of people uh, would would assume. I think is very interesting here. I also think Garrick Higo is interesting. You know, he's only played three times on the PGA Tour this year. I guess four times. He played, yeah, four times. He's missed the cut twice. Travelers in the U.S. Open. He won at the uh, Palmetto, and he fin- and he made the cut the PGA Championship. And his and his European Tour record is 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 pretty pristine recently. It's kind of a little bit of desperation, but you know no one's going to use him. It's a really weak field. Uh, actually, now that we're getting more data on him, can we look at what type of player Higo is? We don't even really know what type of player he is. But I kind of like it from a, yeah, this isn't bad, right? I mean, so in his four starts, he's gained strokes, ball striking in three of them. And he's missed the cut. This has got to be, his two missed cuts have to be on the number. They are. He, so his two missed cuts, he's missed literally on the number. That's not the worst. I, I'm I'm going to convince myself to get to Garrett Higo this week. It's it's shocking. So um, I would not mind him in a one and done. No one is going to use it. Literally no one. And this is such a weak field. I'd prefer him. If you still have Gary Woodland, I think that's fine. Um, but those is, those are probably the guys that I would 
focus my attention on over the course of the next day or two until this thing locks. Am I going to talk myself into Garrett Kigo this week? I think I just did. Three out of four, he's gained strokes ball striking. One was a win. The two missed cuts are on the number, and you can and you it's so you can see it's such a big difference. Like Abraham Answer makes the cut on the number, finishes third, goes nuts on the weekend. Not that everybody's going to do that when they make the cut on the number, but just the opportunity to do that, and it looks so much worse. A missed cut looks so much worse than if Higo would have made the weekend, played okay, and finished t thirty second t thirty two. Would have been a much different outcome. People would be talking if he went sixty fourth, win thirty second, thirty second. He'd be the most popular guy on the slate this week. Like it's that small of of margins we're dealing with. So I think I just convinced myself on Garrett Kigo. All right, that'll do it. I've got thinking to do. I don't know. Uh, join me Wednesday and Friday for the live chats. Tweet me at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below. Tell me who you're playing this week. Tell me how stupid I am. Tell me whatever you want. I'll talk to you guys soon. Good luck this week.